Hey everyone, so I know I've been behind schedule with the show lately, and just to let you know up front, yes, unscripted. And I had actually hoped to remedy that this past weekend, you know, get everything back on track, release a new episode every week by Sunday at the latest, you know. Um, and then I ran into yet more tech issues this past weekend. I didn't tell you guys, but I think it was a couple of weeks back, uh, I had been slaving away editing one of those epically long unscripted episodes, and I was approaching the finish line. It was probably an hour and a half at least, something in that ballpark. Uh, you know, I plugged all the links, the shameless plugs at the end of each episode, uh, you know, got the outro music ready, and all of a sudden I notice that from beginning to end, the episode was swished, was swish, was Swiss cheesed with these um, gaps of silence or these empty spaces. So it looks like I made a tiny adjust adjustment near the end of the recording and accidentally I must have hit command A or, you know, select all or whatever. So that one little adjustment had a domino effect and... Uh, just created a bunch of little gaps, many of them actually cutting into my talking. So I had to go all the way back to the beginning and one by one tweak every little edit all over again. Then this past weekend, you know, yesterday I woke up bright and early. I said, I'm going to catch up, make a video version of the last episode and then move on to recording the new episode. And uh, I have a very kind of fickle and fidgety refurbished MacBook Pro. It, it's a 2016 uh, model. It's refurbished, but I bought it directly from Apple. And I probably uh, should have taken advantage of the warranty while I had the chance because pretty much from the get-go, it had that sticky key problem, you know, where uh, the, the left shift key only works when it feels like it and it appears to be more of a software issue than a hardware issue. And on top of that, it started crashing more and more after I upgraded to Catalina, started crashing even more. So, it, I mean, it crashed once again overnight, um, Saturday night. So I wake up Sunday, sit down to start working on the podcast, and I see that I no longer had a desktop. And not, not only were all the files and folders missing from the desktop, but when you went into Finder, there was a generic missing, um, you know, folder or item symbol. And when you clicked on it, it basically said that the original item could not be found. And you couldn't drag items on the desktop because the desktop no longer existed. You could see the wallpaper, but as far as Finder and the operating system were concerned, the desktop did not exist. It was no longer a thing. Tried, you know, unsyncing. Uh, you know, uh, checking off uh, iCloud and seeing if that fixed it because that can sometimes if you sync your desktop to iCloud, it can kind of cause a thing where your desktop 
gets uh, wiped, or at least the, the folders and the files temporarily disappear. But I wasn't that lucky. It's something worse than that. So I tried to reinstall the, uh, the operating system. That didn't work. Uh, I went into, um, was it the, uh, the disk utility app? And it basically said there was a problem with the computer's hard drive, technically a flash drive, since it's a, a newer uh, MacBook. And it's, it basically warned you, you know, the, the ship's going down, man. Back up what you can, you know. So I ordered an external drive from Amazon. I'm waiting for it to show up. I'm going to back everything up to, um, you know, using time capsule or whatever the heck it's called. And then I'm just going to wipe the whole disk and repartition it and see if that works or if, you know, the thing's going to have to be shipped off to be repaired. So that's a thing. And did I call it a, did I call it time capsule? It's time machine. Anyway, uh, moving on. So yeah, so I started scripting an episode and uh, I was feeling the pressure, you know, crunch time. I was going to try get the... Uh, get the scripted episode finished by tonight and try to quickly, you know, knock the episode out before I have to go to bed and wake up for work tomorrow. Because uh, I made a liar of myself. I said I hope to get the uh, the next episode out by, you know, Sunday night. Well, I guess I never promised it would get out. I said I hoped. But uh, obviously that didn't happen. So as I was working on the script... Uh, I decided to kind of take a break, check out YouTube, and I see that there's a uh, a recommended, uh, you know, um, secular talk video, a Kyle Kalinske video in my feed, and it just stopped me in my tracks. It says, or it was entitled, R.I.P. Michael Brooks, or, or something to that effect. Uh, and I'm like, what? And, and uh... And I guess I was just hoping that it wasn't true or, you know, my brain was trying to make sense of it. And I thought, oh, maybe it's meant to be sarcastic, you know, uh, like uh, he was wrecked, you know, using a online vernacular. Uh, you know what I mean? Or, But I, that didn't make sense because Michael and Kyle were friends and he wouldn't have been sarcastic like that towards him. Unless he was being sarcastic in the sense that he was saying that maybe uh, Michael's detractors uh, thought that they had wrecked or owned him. And, uh, you know, Kyle was going to walk us through how they were actually wrong and they hadn't or something like that. So I click on the video, start watching it, and yes, it, it turns out that that Michael Brooks uh, has passed away. And uh, the news must have broke recently. I'm recording this at 10.22 p.m. on a Monday night. It's July 20th. And I'm noticing videos on this subject popping up here and there. And they all seem to have been published within the last hour or so. So, yeah, it must be uh, pretty recent news. And so my take on Michael Brooks is kind of complicated. Back when I was first getting into not publishing my own podcast, you know, but just when I began listening to podcasts, uh, I think some of the first podcasts I ever downloaded or subscribed to 
were uh, TYT, Skeptoid, you know, with Brian Dunning, and uh, The Majority Report with Sam Cedar. And, of course, Michael Brooks was a part of The uh, Majority Report. And uh, I really liked The Majority Report when I first, you know, got in the podcast. I used to listen to it all the time. Um, and then I kind of fell out of the habit of listening to it, but I would always kind of come back here and there and catch up, you know, check in, etc. And I had actually just recently had started watching the, uh, the Majority Report on YouTube again. And it was just maybe a few hours ago I was watching a video uh, Sam Cedar had made in response to this kind of back and forth he had with uh, Brett Weinstein on, uh, on Twitter. And maybe that will make for a good segue, because we all know there's this kind of divide in the online, you know, skeptic or atheist community that seems to have its roots all the way back, you know, in the free thought blogs, PZ Myers, uh, Gamergate era, you know, where there's this fallout over political correctness. You had one side of the divide seemingly, you know, starting to lean more right and kind of um, sympathize more with people on the right and, uh, you know, starting to really call out what they saw as excessive political correctness, you know, um, targeting the um, what's pejoratively, you know, referred to as the SJW crowd, social justice warriors. Uh, and then you had um, those on the other side of the divide being kind of more, you know, conventionally uh, left-leaning, I guess. Um, although, you know, you had many people still on the other side of the divide, even as they, you know, were trying to combat all this political correctness and whatnot, still identifying as um, as left-leaning, as liberal or progressive, um, even though it started to seem that they were beginning to have more and more in common with the right, in a sense. And it's probably safe to say that I've been an agnostic atheist since at least my teens, even though I didn't have the vocabulary or a familiarity with the, with, I just butcher familiar, I'm not going to try to pronounce it again, uh, with the, with the, uh, the terminology to um, actively identify or label myself as such. And once again, if you're not familiar with the jargon and, you know, agnostic atheism is just kind of a subset of atheism, even though it might sound contradictory. The agnostic portion refers to, you know, a knowledge claim. Um, I don't claim to know whether or not there actually is a God or an afterlife. But then the, the atheistic part refers to, uh, you know, belief. Even though I, I don't claim to know with 100% certainty whether those things do or don't exist, I certainly have my doubts, you know, especially when it comes to man-made religion and all that kind of thing, man-made concepts of God. Um, 
I think that's pretty common. I think probably a, the great bulk, the majority, and that's probably pres pretty presumptuous of me to say, of atheists, including many, many of the high-profile atheists out there, are probably technically agnostic atheists. Um, and so, uh, so even though that was kind of my worldview for a very long time, I think I first discovered... Uh, you know, the writings of the so-called Four Horsemen, you know, Hitchens, Dawkins, Harris, and um, Daniel Dennett, and discovered their kind of uh, online presence in the form of YouTube debates, you know, atheist versus theist debates, uh, lectures and talks, things like that. Uh, I probably didn't discover all that until maybe my late 20s, early 30s. And I felt right away a very strong kinship with these people. And I saw that their worldview pretty much mirrored my worldview. They just uh, were able to express it far more uh, eloquently and uh, were much uh, more knowledgeable than I. You know what I mean? And... Um, so ever since then, you know, I've had a fondness for those guys, especially the late uh, Christopher Hitchens. Uh, I'm still a, a Dawkins fan, for lack of a better term, you know. Um, and I would say a uh, Sam Harris fan. I think I did this in the last episode, too. I said fan kind of funny because fan, you know, the etymology comes from fanatic and it kind of... Uh, denotes a, a kind of rabid loyalty, you know, or fanatical loyalty to a public figure. And I do notice that even though I still listen to Sam's podcast and I still agree with a lot of what he has to say, I also often find myself disagreeing with him at, at times. And I find him even being tone deaf on a, a number of subjects, you know. Or at least, you know, one or two subjects. Uh, and so I think the reason why Michael Brooks initially kind of rubbed me the wrong way was because of my fondness for Sam Harris. And it's funny, you guys maybe um, you might be familiar with Chris Weber or C. Webb, a fellow podcaster. I used to be pretty tight with him back in the day, and I still consider him a friend. Uh, it's just that we've kind of fallen out of touch. Chris hosted C-Web Sunday School and then moved on to host Paranormal Skeptic Academy. Uh, did I just butcher Academy? Anyway, I think I ran out of air. And we actually very briefly hosted a political show together. Um, but I think we only cranked out uh, one or two episodes before the wheels fell off, you know. But um, I was a Sam Harris fan and C-Web not so much. So there was some friendly tension there. And I know that Chris is also a longtime fan of Michael Brooks. So I thought of him right away and tweeted at him when I found out about his passing. So as a Sam Harris fan, I used to be kind of put off by the way Michael Brooks always went after him. And for some reason, his personality also just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, but strangely or not so strangely, I actually found myself warming up to Michael Brooks recently. And I had just been watching him recently, and because of a, you know, 
COVID, like a lot of online shows, some people are opting to report from home, and that's what Michael seemed to be doing. He, like myself, had some COVID hair growth, looking kind of shaggy, but otherwise he appeared to be in good health. He was young. I'm not sure of his exact age, but maybe somewhere in his 30s. So this really seemed to come out of nowhere. And just out of respect, I'm not going to speculate about how he might have died. I'm sure the facts, whatever they are, will come out eventually. But I mentioned this whole divide in the skeptic community over political correctness. And I kind of view the whole intellectual dark web thing as being a kind of offshoot or, you know, outgrowth of that. Uh, you have this group of middle-aged public intellectuals devoted to pushing back against political correctness. And to be honest, uh, I've never really cared about the whole SJW versus anti-SJW thing. It appeals to me as, you know, interesting drama. Sometimes it's fun to break out the popcorn and watch the two sides squabble. But at the end of the day, I couldn't really care less about pronouns and the rest of it. It's fun to watch people get all worked up over pronouns, but I don't really, you know, personally care. It's not what lights my fire. Doors reference. Uh, you know, uh, on my show, I'd rather focus on religion, separation of church and state issues, demented evangelicals spouting superstitious nonsense, do my weird little history documentaries, etc. Don't get me wrong, I do sometimes get political, and I know I really have been in the wake of the death of George Floyd and the civil unrest that's followed. And even though I don't affiliate myself with the Democratic Party, I'm still a lefty at the end of the day, a staunch supporter of LGBTQ rights. Uh, I believe in a strong social safety net, Bernie Sanders supporter, etc. And I think things like police violence, racism, these are important issues that have to be addressed. And it shouldn't make you, you know, a quote unquote SJW to, to be against police violence and racism. Holy shit, it, you know, it should just make you a decent human being. But it's hard for me to get uh, worked up about political correctness. Sometimes political correctness is taken to absurd levels or extremes. Anita Sarkeesian getting offended by Bayonetta's ass or whatever. But it's not what I really dig focusing on. But yeah, it was starting to warm up to Michael Brooks. I definitely enjoyed the way he and Sam Cedar mercilessly, you know, went after Dave Rubin. Before I learned of Michael's passing, I planned on doing a news story or topical episode. And one of the topics was going to be Dave Rubin recently going on some right-wing, you know, online show and talking about the importance of religion and how it's necessary for the foundation of a society. Shades of Jordan Peterson, that kind of thing. Yeah, but, you know, whatever you thought of Michael Brooks, he was a young, intelligent guy with his whole life in front of him, and his passing definitely came as a shock. I guess he'd recently started a new show with Anna Kasparian of The Young Turks, and they were pretty close friends. She responded to his passing, and it was definitely moving, you know. Um, you could tell it really hit her hard, and she was really choking up. I'm gonna sound like my father. Whenever someone passes, he angrily says... That's a shame. And it is. It's a shame. He was too young to suddenly pass away like that. And the absence of his voice is going to be strange, you know. Um, I say this figuratively, agnostic atheist here, but Godspeed, Michael Brooks.